what that's where you're getting the hum, is it? Hmm. Oh, anyway, you've been very patient, Lionel. Um, well, because we're all sitting here wanting to hear about this trip. Right. Because I've missed just about everything. What about us? What about you? You've been cooking. Um, what? You've been cooking. Oh, yes. Waiting. Stewing away. Yeah, well, I would have uh, got off uh, sooner if I didn't have um, my grot audio. Yeah, that might have saved a bit of time, I suppose, but not really yeah. that much. Oh, well, say so when you're ready anyway, I'm, I'm sort of... Oh, right, OK. Well, VK3NM, VK3AML. The documentary will take about two hours. Yes. Oh, right, OK. The documentary will take about two hours. Yes. And it's one o'clock at the moment. Now, hang on. So, just say uh, when you're ready and... Uh, it's two metres on or off, by the way, just before we go on. It's on. Okay. We'll drop it off now and, okay. and drop on when you want to say things because there is a slight trace of wine still coming through. That's better. It killed it completely. Right. Yeah. Are you going to sort of sit there and make comments or are you going to just work on your rig? Or? Oh, fair enough. Okay. Oh. Okay. I'll turn 160 up so it's modulating 100. Hmm. Well, how long ago was this trip now that you left? Well, I left... Uh July. Yeah. Um, the way I got to the sea, I flew from Sydney to Tokyo. Yeah. Which is about uh, the popular way, about the only way really to get to the sea. I went, I went away for six weeks. During my, uh, always wanted to go to the Soviet uh, Union, and um, a couple of years ago, I decided I, I was sort of you know, doing it uh, well, when I did it. Uh, and you, went, you just went by yourself? Yeah, Roger. And how did you get over there? What boat or oh, a plane, I suppose? Yeah, well, basically, uh, to get into the Soviet uh, Union, um, you got to uh, make uh, inquiries about at least six months before you leave. Mm. You can't go to the Soviet Union on an open-date basis like you can, you know, to the United States or... Anywhere. Or, you know, to the UK or anything. Yeah. And um, the idea is you... Make out, you work out your itinerary of where you want to be and, and so forth, how long you want to stay in the various cities. Can you talk it up a bit? Right. Um, That's better, yeah. Then, uh, then the travel agency then um, books, you know, sort of book with, the, with Intourist, which is the Soviet travel agency. Yeah. And when everything is confirmed uh, by the office in Moscow, uh, then you uh, pay for all your arrangements in in the Soviet Union. Then uh, then you fill out an application for your visa. Uh, the visa is not a, a stamp in the passport. It is a separate uh, piece of uh, paper. But you got to you got to pay for everything in advance. Yeah, you all the places you're going to stay. Yeah, yeah, everything. Uh, so they want to know they want to know exactly where you're right. going and how long you're going to be there. Yes, that's right. Everything. Everything. In other words, well I entered the Soviet Union on the 19th of uh, July and I left on the 5th of August and uh, my that's my visa was valid only between those two dates hmm. and uh, they know exactly uh, where you are and uh, and when you get your visa it's a separate piece of paper uh, hmm. which they take a third of it when you enter the country and they take the rest when you leave the country and there's no evidence in my passport that I have been to the Soviet Union. There's no Soviet uh, passport stamps or anything. Uh, you can do that. Uh, in, in fact, you can extend 
uh, your visa. Uh, what you have to do then is go to Intours and uh, then they sort of uh, make uh, the arrangements, but you can't, uh, can't do it. Uh, depends of where you want to go and uh, under what circumstances, but uh, uh, it, it is possible. Hmm. In Yokohama, I went on a race, what was the name of the ship. Is that where you first got to? Yokohama? Well, I got to Tokyo. I spent a day in Tokyo, and the next uh, morning I went down to Yokohama, which is the port of uh, Tokyo. Oh, yeah. How old? So you'd, you'd remember it fairly well. Yeah. That's all right. Hmm. And uh, you go for a two and a half day trip yeah. across the Sea of Japan. Yeah. Um, it's on a Russian uh, ship because you, uh, you experience uh, the Russian food for the first time, which is uh, quite uh, interesting. Is that sort of the only way of getting there, or can you go straight to Russia from Australia? Uh, or well, it's possible, but... Uh, not normal. Not normal. That's yeah. how everybody sort of uh, go to the Soviet uh, Union. Yeah. Anyway, the boat trip uh, was, quite, you know, was quite good, actually. What was it like? It was actually a Russian boat. Yeah, it was a, a Russian boat. <coughs> what was it like? It was quite uh, comfortable, actually. Um, a proper passenger ship? Yeah, it's a proper uh, passenger ship. It's not uh, a prison ship or anything? No, yeah. no. What's the reason that they don't want any evidence of you having been to Russia in your passport afterwards? Do you think? Oh, uh, I think, uh, so you can't make any, you know, if you had any disputes or anything like that, they sort of denied that you've been to the Yeah, well, if you came back and said Russia's a lousy place, um, they'd say, well, he's never been to Russia. <laughs> Prove it. I don't know the full reason, but that's sort of how... Oh, well, this is one, one possible yeah. idea. Uh, it is possible. Hmm. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. It's quite possible. Uh, it was quite a uh, comfortable uh, boat. I had quite a good time, and you know. Actually, Lionel never has been to Russia. This is all scripted. Anyway, you're going. Right, just picking <laughs> yeah, pick right, up the You're on page, page four now. No, page four. Page four. Yeah, oh. keep going. Page four. Yeah. Right. We uh, we had to put that in just in case someone, you know. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, it was it was quite a it was quite a good boat actually. Yeah, uh, quite comfortable and. In fact, you know, there's quite a few Australians uh, on, the, on the boat, and Americans and Japanese and, uh, and all that. Uh, you had to hand in your passport as soon as you get on the boat. In your passport, yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, the person keeps your passport. Yeah. Um, anyway, on the Monday the 9th, I started to... Uh, well, that was my first sighting of the Soviet Union. The far eastern, it's not... Siberia doesn't go all the way over to uh, the Pacific Ocean, as uh, most people would uh, think. And uh, I arrived uh, in the Soviet Union at a port of Nahotka, which is about 100 kilometres uh, east of Vladivostok. Can you remember all these things, or have you got them written down? Or No. Uh, Just from memory? This is all from memory. Yeah. yeah, it's good when you talk it up to the level you are now because... Uh, yeah, it's pretty hard on a hand like to keep talking it up because yeah, well, yeah. no, uh, you've got to take deep breaths and... Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no uh, problems really. You've probably got to talk really close anyway. You can talk it up as much as you like providing you don't distort within right. the mic. Yeah, I'm speaking right up to the uh, microphone yeah, at the moment. Breathe right down the thing. Um, yeah, you can't I can get rid of your hum then. Right. You can't... Because uh, you... You don't go to Lovostock as uh, sort of bound for tourists, it's a big naval port, but uh, anyway, you go to uh, uh, Nahotka and that's where you get on the train. Um, there's a breaker. Hello, Mike. 
Is this on Channel A, is it? No, that, that was on Channel D. Ah, also um, wasn't coming through me. Hang on, I'll, oh, I can't tell him. Uh, can the King Street mob tell him we're in the middle of a crossband? Just so that, you know, they can't. He's probably there. listening 160 metres anyway. We're in the middle of a crossband there, Mike. Anyway, now... Four o'clock in the uh, afternoon. And uh, by about uh, seven o'clock, uh, we all sort of went off the boat. Just before we, we got our passports and uh, our visas back. And before we could get off the boat, there was a, a Soviet uh, soldier. He was sort of checking everybody's passport. <coughs> And uh, we got off and went to the uh, customs uh, rooms. Um, my baggage was not checked, but we uh, had to make out a currency declaration. I'll better pitch the pips up too. Right. right. We uh, had to declare all the currency we had, <coughs> um, any uh, any uh, banknotes or capitalist checks or whatever, and any valuables and any weapons you might have uh, also. I wonder if that's normal when you yeah. go over to any country. Well, if to any com communist country, it's, uh, it's a normal procedure. And uh, anyway, our passport was uh, checked again at the immigration. And uh, this was getting on to 8 o'clock. And uh, they. Before, usually, when Gil AUI went over to the Soviet Union, they. Well, they also give you coupons too, um, now for nights at hotels and trips and things like that. And they used to give out meal coupons, but instead, in tourist, gave me uh, about 40, about 40 rubles, which is about uh, 44 Australian dollars at that time there for my meals uh, for 16 days. Uh, anyway, my uh, suitcase was turned off the boat and onto a truck and onto the train and got on this bus and uh, went to the station and uh, about quarter past eight the train pulled out and we were on our way to an overnight trip to a town, a city of Kahabarosk which is about uh, a thousand uh, kilometres north of uh, Nahodka. Did you manage to line up any, um, any, any sort of contacts previously with any Russian hams? I did uh, mention uh, that I was coming over to some uh, Russian hams, but uh, you it's can never make a contact ever. Why not? Over a Russian ham, well, you just go on 20 moves and find out for yourself. And um, what I they don't talk English, or? Uh, well, the language barrier in the Soviet Union is fantastic. What they're not, they don't know English but hang particularly. On. Um, in three MT, we worked Russia on a one of those international ham contests yeah. once from Australia. Yeah. Well, um, they probably they probably know enough to give signal yeah, reports right, and QSL cards. That's about it. Uh, yeah, that was about all we could do. Um, yeah, when you say you worked yeah. them, I mean, that's probably just a QSL card. We did that in phrases. 3MT on the Viceroy. Besides which, if you went and knocked up any ham, they'd probably have the secret police round five minutes after you left anyhow. <sighs> Careful. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So we went to uh, Kahabarov. That is uh, quite a large city. Um, which is on the river Amur, A-M-U-R. Well, when you say quite a large city, what are the cities like? Have they got sort of skyscrapers like we have, or uh, not the, uh, dingy old buildings, or what? They're not uh, the very... They haven't got the high skyscrapers 
skyscraper it's like we have got here. The buildings look, uh, well, quite old if you can perhaps imagine Melbourne, say, 10 years ago. Hmm. But do they look like Melbourne looked like 10 years ago? Or are they a different sort of style of building? Uh, the building, the style of the, uh, the buildings are roughly the same. I suppose an example, uh, perhaps something like Myers. Yeah. You know, buildings like oh, that. yeah. Do they have a lot of, you know, is there a lot of sort of fierce competition between all the, you know, various places? Like, do they have places like Myers and Waltons well, and Brashes? No, and uh, there's, there's no private enterprise in the Soviet Virginian at all. Oh. Everything is run by the state taxis and everything. So Good heavens. Uh, you know, everybody in the Soviet Virginian, every worker, uh, works for the state. Solid state. Yeah. Uh, there's no private farms. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just everybody's, well, I suppose you could say a public servant. Gee, it must be exciting for them. Yeah, anyway, mm. we went on a tour, off the next day we went on a tour. Hang on, um, hang on, before you go on to that, right. I mean, what are the shops like then? Are they sort of exciting places, you know, uh, like Melbourne, or...? Well, there's not the variety of goods as you would uh, see in a, in a Melbourne uh, shop. Yeah, um, it's mainly essentials or something, is it? Well, I'll tell you a bit about those shops. I did go into uh, one shop in uh, this Kaharbarosk mm. city. Yeah. And uh, this shop was uh, quite a large shop and there was a number of counters. What, like Myers or, or like a smaller place or well, Coles or something? Well, just a big, you know, well, something like uh, Coles. Yeah. They would have all been government-owned too, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it terrible that they don't have all the benefits of the multiple varieties of things from KTEL? <sighs> yes, I thought KTEL was rushing. Yeah, OK. Yeah. Right, anyway, one counter uh, might sell travel goods. Mm-hmm. Next counter, sell motorcycle bits. Next counter, sell TV tuners. Next counter, might sell um, you know, clothing. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. a real mixture. It is. You it's get the clothing mixed up with the motorcycle bits. Some shops... <laughs> You and buy a pair of jeans with a spark plug leading yeah, around the right. belt. <laughs> yeah. And some shops, uh, you know, down the other end of the shop, might be a butcher shop or... or another county, you mean? Yeah, another counter. Yeah. You know, Gee, what a mix-up. I yeah, suppose it's... Work it. yeah, uh, no reason against it, I suppose, but... Uh, uh, to, uh, to buy stuff from a Russian shop, yeah, I think I'd be the best shot. We'll all just say what we are. Right. Righto. Um, we won't list out all the No, it's a bit superfluous. To uh, get the... Well, to buy thing from a Russian shop or buy anything uh, is you go up to the counter and um, you ask for what you want. Well, I couldn't speak Russian, they couldn't speak English, so it was a bit difficult, but I did uh, buy something in this shop. You're, drif- you're drifting away from your mic again. Right, how's that? That's better. And, uh, however... After um, you work out what you want, uh, then uh, the sales girl or salesman then gives you a slip of paper with a price. Then you queue up. Oh, there's no price on it. Uh, there is a price on it, but they give you a, like a little receipt. Oh, yeah, like bits here yeah. um, when you go to radio bits. Then you queue up to the cashier, pay your money, then you go back to the counter, queue up, uh, hand the uh, what? the receipt and you get your goods. Oh yeah. You can't just uh, walk straight up to the counter and you know, buy it over the pay over the counter. Wow. And what uh, a complicated system. Sounds like it'll take you almost as long as it does when you go to bits on Saturday well, morning. I'll tell you I'll tell you a little bit more about it uh, when I tell you about uh, Moscow. Mm, okay. But, I uh, can't see the logic in it. 
No, but anyway. Uh, most of the uh, majority of the people live in apartment flats. If you can just imagine uh, apartment flats around, you know, Colton. Uh, there's very few, in comparison, private homes. Uh, I think the main reason is because it gets so cold and these apartment flats are essentially heated. But uh, if you do go out in the suburbs a bit, you do see a lot of, uh, uh, like, log cabins type houses. Oh, Because uh, temperatures get down to about, you know, anything about you know, minus 30 degrees, which is, you know, quite cold. It would have been summer when you were there, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was uh, very More hot. More or less, July. Actually, it was, it was quite hot. In Russia? Yes, it was about uh, 30, uh, 30 to 40 degrees when I was over there. That's pretty good, because, you know, you're going from those temperatures to snow. Yeah, yeah, mm. it's just, uh, they're... Pretty they're extreme. Extremes, the big mm. extremes. Seems like it's almost, well, seems like it's worse than Melbourne. And, uh, anyway, most of the people live uh, in apartment flats. What, around the city? Well, around the city. What are they, high-rise sort of thing? Yeah, well, maybe about uh, three, four-storey, maybe five-storey uh, high uh, apartment flats. Is that what they call high-rise over there? Three or four storeys, or about five storeys, I think is about the average. Or maybe something a little bit uh, higher. But, yeah. uh, uh, you don't see many, uh, you know, twenty-storey uh, places like you do in, in Australia. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. I wonder what their uh, reasoning is for that. that. Those twenty-storey things are real pain to live in. Oh, I know, be right at the top. My, sis- my sister's a social worker, and the and the number of psychoses those places produce. Yeah, that's not because they're tall, that's just because they're rotten places to live or something. Anyway, uh, I went on this uh, tour, it was quite uh, interesting, and uh, started to learn a bit about life in the, uh, in the Soviet uh, Union at that stage. We uh, did go through a museum, which was quite interesting, and saw quite a few stuffed um, you know, animals, uh, typical animals you know, in the Soviet uh, Union. And, uh, oh yeah, incidentally, in every city uh, in the Soviet Union, uh, they have a Lenin Square, uh, which is you know, quite what? a big square, uh, square, Lenin Square. Oh, Lenin, I thought you said Lenin. Yeah, yeah. And running into Lenin Square, usually Karl Marx Street, so if you send a letter to the Soviet Union, mm. uh, to an address, say, corner of Lenin Square and and uh, Karl Marx Street... You go to about 50 different places. Yeah, well, this. uh the postman, if you don't put uh, the city and just put USSR, the letter will never get to its des- destination. Or it'll take an awful long time. Yeah. Uh, yes. Anyway, um, I was, uh, I went down to the river uh, Muir, and across it I could see some mountains about 25, about 25 miles away, and it was, uh, I was looking at uh, China, communist China, so... Oh, yeah. really Did you see a wall? Uh, no. What, there's no wall? Or you could, just couldn't see it? Oh, well, uh, those mountains were 25 miles and the border was oh, about... Oh, yeah. You know, about 15 miles. Yeah, I see what you mean. And there's a lot of military activity uh, in the city. Just Is there? Every, now, every fourth that's... person that was a, an army. Oh, that's sort of... Oh, yeah. You should have seen You see all this, uh, all this army uh, activity and... Ted uh, should like this crossband. Oh, here we you wrapped. And a whole lot of... Uh, army trucks and, and things. I think, you know, because I think some years ago, you know, there was a bit of strife between the Chinese and the Russians. Yeah. And so there's a, you know, there's a lot of, uh, lot of activity and, you know, they, they sort of, you know, walk around and 
and the tourists are quite free to go anywhere in the cities, but not out of the cities. In other words, I couldn't um, go for a trip up the country or anything like that. Yeah. Just sort of, I can go anywhere I like, you know, around uh, the cities. Hmm. Um, Is that for security reasons? Or? Yeah, mainly for you know, security reasons, and they sort of... You popped your microphone there, Egg, and you pinned the limiter here. I, I don't think I would have popped it. I was a foot away. So it went punk. Hmm. Anyway, from Kahabarosk, uh, I went on the train. It was about a two and a half day trip to Kutz. And uh, going on the train... That sounds Jewish. That was uh, quite fantastic on the train. I went hard class. Who class? Hard. They have two classes, soft and hard class. Really? But hard class is quite uh, comfortable. Um, the only difference between the two classes, hard class, you had four berths, and uh, soft class, um, two berths. At first, when I heard Lionel saying that, I, I, yeah, before he explained, it, I thought hard class meant you got wooden seats. That's what on. I thought before when I heard it. I found it was quite. I found out different. Maybe, maybe the hard class have got no springs on the wheels, I mean. Anyway, you yeah. sleep like a log on the, uh, on the train. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, I was told off at one stage by uh, uh, military sheila. I decided I'd go for a walk up and down the train. A military sheila. And uh, I was uh, I happened to walk into the first class. Into the soft class. Soft class, and apparently it was out of bounds. Oh. Uh, what you had this big sandwich board on your back saying hard class escapee or something or how did they know well i was just uh, well i saw this uh, young sheila she was talking to a soldier and i said oh no excuse me and i sort of went past and she what you do around, something yeah and she says you know, well, you know what are you doing here and i said oh just having you know, a bit of a what a are you doing here she says what are you doing here Gee. And I, you know, she was getting a bit... Uh, she must have eyed you off when you got on the train, you know. She must have had her eye on you. Yes, uh, gee, you know, she was a bit... <laughs> you, should have, you should have chatted her up afterwards. Yeah. And I said, uh, oh, sorry, am I doing something wrong? I said, get back to your class. You'll, you know, you're some part of the train. I said, oh, sorry, sorry. So I, I believe the Russian girls are quite nice. Oh, they are. Some, they are quite nice, but... Um, Pity when you get on that side of them. What was that, Petey? Yeah. I thought somebody said something on two. This, uh, this girl was, uh, she, you know, she was rather abrupt, and uh, so I sort of just stayed in my portion of the train. Now you've got, you've got to get the colloquium proper. I mean, these days it's not Sheila anymore; it's Chick. Oh, Chick. Yeah, that's better. Oh, right. You're, you're dating yourself. <laughs> Careful. Uh, the meals are quite nice on the, uh, on the train. A yeah. Bit, uh, different, like. Uh, um, I had uh, this vegan vegetable soup, um, which is, uh, if you can just imagine... No chick soup. If you can just imagine a soup, a vegetable soup, with That's the yellow of the egg colours it, so you have a sort of a, uh, an orange mess, and the white of the egg sits in the middle. And you have this orange mess. Why would the white sit in the middle? That's a, I that's don't know a, how they do it. But do they have reversed eggs in Russia? You sort of crack the egg and there's this yellow muck with a white blob in it. Yeah, well that's... And you get this white blob that's sort of in the middle. Gee, that'd be interesting. And I had chickens... I wonder how they train the chooks to do it. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good thing you never went to Russia, Egg. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
You'd be in real trouble. And I had the branches apparently must freeze so cold they snap. Oh, shut up. Enough of that branch. Yes, back to you, Lionel. I had uh, chicken soup, which was flavoured by a piece of chicken neck. Oh, charming. <laughs> Floating around in it, no and doubt. Had, sort of uh, looking uh, all limp. I had ex- hard-boiled egg soup, which was sort of just clear soup with this hard-boiled eggs all floating around and uh, you spend about half an hour chasing chasing it with a spoon trying to uh, uh, break it uh, but otherwise yeah, some eggs are very hard to catch <laughs> <laughs> anyway I got to Kutz uh, and uh, that is uh, near Lake Baikal which is uh, the deepest freshwater lake in the world I spent a couple of uh, how deep is it, do you know? About a mile deep. Oh, that one, I've heard about that. Mm. They've never got to the bottom of it. Uh, well, anyway, at Ukuts, uh, it's quite an interesting um, place. There's a lot of uh, churches which have been uh, restored, even though there are active churches in the Soviet Union. And uh, you see a lot of these... Uh, what, they're actually used for religious things? Yes, there is a bit of religion, but under strict control. Who, who do they pray to? Pray to God, oh. but under strict supervision of the state. Yeah. So but you've got a. It's like church was sort of in in England, say in the, you know, seventeen hundreds or something. Yeah, well, maybe. Hmm. And these uh, these uh, buildings you see, sort of uh, white uh, round buildings with a golden spire, which the spire and the golden domes, which are made of solid gold. What? Really? Yes. Solid gold? It's a bit exuberant, isn't it? Going a bit far? You sure it's not wood with gold leaf on it? Well, it is gold leaf, but uh, it's, not, it's not wood. But uh, some of these... Uh, well, then it's not solid gold if it's gold leaf. Stop being difficult, Egg. It's not <laughs> got nothing to do with anything. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Anyway, we... Uh, anyway, mm. the next day I went for a trip out to uh, Lake Baikal and uh, we were going to have a picnic on the bank of the lake. but That was the mile deep thing. Yeah, well, because yeah. the day was, was quite grotty, actually, and uh, it was the only cold day I experienced on my whole trip. So you didn't get to do it. And it's a 60, about, it's about 60 kilometres from Urquits to, uh, to Baikal. Talking so, about lakes, yep. isn't there supposed to be some lake over there that's so full of salt that you can't sink in it? Or is that somewhere else? That, you must be Dead Sea. Dead yeah. Sea. Where's that? Well, that's it's in, still uh, in, uh, in um, occupied territory, yes. But they haven't moved it. Now, which territory is it in, I mean? It's, it's up the top end of the... Um, you know, how it go up past Turkey, isn't it? Up past there somewhere. But is, it, is that in Russia, or...? No, I don't think so. Oh. Anyway, we, uh, <coughs> we got on this uh, bus, and uh, we were sort of uh, running along uh, on real grotty roads behind... Yeah, Kutz uh, airports and, uh, you know, the sort of the ruts. In fact, the roads, some of the roads are in quite poor con- condition to, you know, with about uh, you know, ruts and quite rough, funny, due, due to uh, when the you know, springtime, when the snow sort of melts away and, and that sort of damage the roads and things like that. Uh, anyway, we... The New did, South Wales. Yes. Uh, we did go through what is known as the Tiger, T-A-I-G-A-R, which is uh, uh, just a forest, as a name of a forest. 
and there were in the land of the permafrost. Uh, permafrost is um, in the summer the topsoil thaws out, but about a yard under. Sounds like under, a pressure pack product. Mm, but uh, under about a yard under, uh, it is permanently frozen. You know, twelve months a year. So you wouldn't be able to grow much. Have you got Lionel wound right up as far as you'll go, by the way, John? Yes. He's flat right. out. Yeah. yeah, he's peeing a VU meter, though, here. He's only, most of the time, he's about 15 dB below you. Yeah, he talks... Um, yeah, I know he's talking, he's backing off the mic, which is OK. Well, when he right, talks... I'll keep uh, the audio at this end. No, I was just wondering whether there was any more gain available at John's um, end, that was all. I could, I could put it up 20 dB, but it would put the hum up to... Minus um, seven or so. But I'm sort of struggling with six and always here from six a little bit because he's only reading minus twenty and you're reading zero. Uh, See, it's just it's mainly the six meter link that's causing noise on one sixty. Well, what what's the hum like now? Not too bad. I've got base cut at this end. Right. Well, that's up five dB. That's a bit better. In fact, 7 dB. That's a little bit better. Yeah, go on. Sorry, Long. Right, no worries. Um, anyway, I know... Anyway, I took some photos uh, of this uh, forest uh, in the land of uh, the permafrost. And uh, we went a short distance and we were going through this town, population of about 20,000 people or so. Yeah. Um, I don't know the name of this uh, town, but however, the bus stopped... Uh, for about a quarter of an hour and we got out and took some photos and I walked down this this street and you know, it was unmade road actually and You're on a crossband at the moment? I know. Oh, you're listening 160? Oh, of course you are. Yeah. Well, I just got it all rigged up actually. I've been working for about the last hour and a half trying to get the car radio to go again. Oh, fair enough. Anyway, yeah. I'll let Lionel continue. Yeah, okay. Right. Where is Wide are you? Is he in Hawthorne He's something? mobile. Yeah, but where? Oh. Where are you, uh, Gary? East Bird at the moment. Yeah, oh, you're not too oh, far away. My fever's just working quite reasonably. Yeah, it's not case. bad. Yeah. Oh, I always thought it was deafer than that. Right. Um, anyway, <coughs> we uh, stopped at this town and uh, had a bit of a, uh, a look around. And most of the, uh, or all the homes I saw was you know, log uh, cabins with, uh, in the backyard was sort of full of vegetables. You know, a lot of you know, big vegetable gardens and uh, big piles. What happened when you were about to take photographs? I thought you were going to say you got stopped or something. No, there's no... Uh, well, you're quite free to take photographs, except uh, you don't take photographs off military installations. Oh, well, you wouldn't want to take them anyway, probably. Uh, airports, probably they get boring. most upset. Yeah? Railways. Airports? Yes. Um, railways? Railway stations, so well, it is illegal, but they don't seem to worry about that. Should the steward be in trouble? Because that's all he ever photographs. Um, <laughs> and of There's course, a friend of mine who photographs trains and things, so he'd be in trouble too. Uh, also, you're not uh, allowed to take photos of uh, army Shields. or police oh. uh, personnel. Oh, yeah. uh, anyway, the, uh, these homes, you know, they're quite uh, colourful, uh, actually. Um, so if you, make, if you make this YL of a, an army YL and you take a photograph of it, you can just... You, you, you'll get done. Either by her or by <laughs> Stalin. No, he's dead, isn't he? Yeah, anyway. Uh, these uh, homes are uh, uh, quite colourful, like around the, uh, the windows and the window shutters, the wooden shutters, uh, quite bright uh, colours, and even the fences, uh, 
I saw one finch was bright orange with blue diamond shapes. Good afternoon to our Russian listeners, by the way. Uh, well, it was quite, uh, it was quite uh, colourful, and um, wasn't much activity in this uh, town. We were right in the main centre now of this uh, town. We were just now passing uh, through. Well, anyway, we uh, then went on to uh, to Baikal on the bank of Lake Baikal. There's a town of Baikal, and of course the weather was so uh, rotty that we couldn't have this picnic. So we went to this restaurant uh, up this hill a bit, and there we had uh, raw fish, uh, which came from Lake Baikal, which was quite nice. Uh, then we had a a bit of a meal and uh, was quite uh, good. But no, this lake, another interruption. Right. I just realised, John, why uh, Lionel appears to be reading the same as you at your end, because you've got an average reading metre. That's right. And he's a fairly sine wavy signal. And he's on a peak basis, he's about 12 or 15 dB below you. But his peaks pin the metre, whereas mine only reached zero. Yeah, I'm just saying um, his peak value is miles below yours. Your metre being an average reading metre sort of lies. Well, my, my metre says that he's louder than me on peaks, but when he talks away from the microphone, he goes down. It, um, no, he's never, uh, on a peak basis, he's never been anywhere near your peak. But how can he pin my metre on I just, I just told you, because you've got an average metre, an average reading metre. Yeah, but a peak metre should read more than an average metre. No, hang on, hang on. If your voice is undistorted... Yeah. and Lionel's is chopped up by his rig and comes through your receiver and it's fairly sine wavish, not very peaky. Um, and... Oh, I see, yeah. His, you see his, what I mean? His thing could read higher. So your, your meter thinks... Your meter sees his signal as being the same because the average content is the same. My it's meter sees his signal on, on, you know, the loudest excursions as being 3dB up on mine. Well, what it's... Your meter's effectively... Um, um, how can I put it? It's reading high on Lionel because he's fairly sine wavish and it's... But where are we losing stick to noise? It's six a week signal. No, it's just the usual bit of background noise. It's sort of just, you know, not bad but not yeah. good sort of thing. Like, I, I really do need to get my big rig going. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you can't do much about it because you'd have to bash your metre against the stop which would only wreck it, but, you know, it's just... But an average metre should under-read a peak me reading metre. Now, I'll assume that Lionel's peak is 10 dB below yours, but he is approximating a sine wave. Yeah. Right. Put on an order wire so the engineers can speak on it on a separate channel. Yeah, that's right. But if your, if your peak level is 10 dB higher, but, but undistorted, um, your meter will read the same on both signals. It'll read the same on your 10 dB higher undistorted waveform as it does on the 10 dB lower sine wavy one because it's only looking at the average content of both. And oh, the, yeah, the average content is the same, you see. Oh, that's dead right. But uh, so what I'm saying, um, <clears throat> I was thinking of the other thing about where the metre takes time to respond. Oh, no, no, it's not that. Cause when the, he talks... On long syllables, it'll have plenty when, of time to respond. When he talks, you know, on the starts and ends of the words, you know, where the metre kicks up, Yeah. Uh, it's kicking up to zero for me now. Yeah, that's because the average content of you and right. Lionel was the same. But the peak... Now, when he talks... Well down. As loud as he, he does talk sometimes, yeah. um, it'll peak up on plus three, but most of the time it's only going up to about negative two. Yeah, it's a pity you can't switch the VU meter out. Anyway, go on, Lionel. Sorry. I can, just... actually, but the thing is it might distort on my misses. No, it won't, because the peak 
I was just telling you, the peak level of Lionel is about 10 dB down. I'll, I'll so it won't distort. Somebody will distort on it, like I will, if he doesn't, if I'm not knowing. No, I didn't mean you to turn you up. Just just leave you the same, but, you know, it doesn't matter. Anyway, go on, yeah, Lionel. Yeah, but i look at the VU meter to see how loud yeah, it is. it doesn't matter. It's not worth you. Go on, Lionel. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right, no worries. Well, this, uh, like, Bank Hill, it's about a mile deep. It's about the deepest freshwater lake in the world. Um, the water temperature uh, is no more than 4 degrees centigrade, so it's, it's a bit cold to, uh, to swim. Slightly, yes. And it's about, oh, about a couple of hundred different types of if you fish. Die, you die. Uh, varieties of uh, fish uh, in that lake. And uh, it was uh, it was quite interesting. Apparently, the water temperature doesn't vary that much between summer and winter. I think it's because it's just all so deep. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll go down a bit in the winter time, but uh, that's sort of what I've have heard. But um, and the actual because it's so deep, the water looks quite black. Hmm. Um, I think maybe because it was a grotty day, it was quite dark, but uh, it was. Uh, was quite black, uh, the water, and of course uh, I had some chewing gum on me at the time, which is just about impossible to obtain in Russia, mm. and uh, you just got to flash your uh, chewing gum, and you. Oh yes. I had about uh, twenty, uh, you know, twenty boys, you know, twenty, you know, boys and girls, you know, children sort of crowding around and sort of handing out this uh, chewing gum, and it was an American tourist who was doing the same thing. They sort of go wild and uh, they sort of run off, you know, happy as larks. What have they got against chewing gum, for God's sake? Well, they're just subtainable. Just a luxury, yeah, as far we, as they're concerned. Yeah, well, you can't get Coca-Cola. Oh, well, that's no Coca. great loss. Mm. Yeah. Um, you can get plenty of vodka. Then we went back uh, to Kutz via the hydrofoil, um, which was quite interesting. It was about... Uh, He's still about quieter than me. Oh? Is Lionel still quieter than me? Yeah, he's a fair bit down. I'm, he's banging the VU meter over really hard now. On an average reading meter, both about the same. Looking at the recorder, but on uh, on the mixer and and on 160s peak reading meters, he's well down. <coughs> I see. Yeah, right. Yeah, go on. Lionel. Just uh, holding up a bag. Oh, I might do the same. Right. While you're handing out all your chewing gum all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know they go quite uh, quite mad and. Uh, take a whole lot of chewing gum over to the Soviet Union, you can have a lot of fun. Um, also, you don't see many calculators and things, and they use these abacus, you know, these things. Oh, uh, the bead things. The, the bead, bead things, The yeah. beady things. And they are quite, you know, good on them. Yeah, uh, they can be quite useful, beady things. Oh, they, you know, they use those in Japan, too. Or I take yes. a with the abacus. <laughs> yes, well, that's what they use over in the Soviet, uh, in the Soviet Union. Mm. Mainly these uh, abacus. So we got. So we're on this uh, hydrofoil. I just sort of stayed inside uh, most of the time. It was just so cold outside. I'd like to see someone take a square route with an abacus. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, that'd be a bit difficult. Yeah. We'll raise, raise something to the power of three. Yeah, then go we on. got back to uh, the Kutz. Then uh, we were met by the. Uh, What's the Kutz? The Kutz, that's the town. Seems like a um, Jewish name. Yeah, anyway. Go on. And uh, the evening, uh, I went to uh, one of these live theatres, which is very popular over in the Soviet Union, about the main source of, uh, you know, entertainment. Why, don't, do they not have much television? Oh, don't tell me, it's state-run. Uh, yes. Uh, no, no commercials. 
No commercials. No American films allowed. There are American films. I are there? The American Western, which is dubbed in Russian. Really? Yes. What else do they have? Occasionally, you do hear some American pop songs over their local radio. Gee. Do they have other programs like um, Candid Camera or any of those things? No, no. Uh, it's a bit like the ABC. ABC. Um, well, the ABC gets quite grotty at times. It's quite uh, funny. Yes, well, a lot of documentary and uh, yeah, the news service can be quite interesting, even though you can't understand the words they were saying. But, uh, just sort of watching the pictures and, uh, but of course, mainly you know Russian movies. But uh, you're listening to an evening of culture and like, others, other assorted yeah, good, chocolates. Good evening, listeners. Yeah, play on regardless. Right, and we went. Uh, so I went to this. Uh, it was a live show, it was a comedy uh, show, it was, was quite good actually, even though it was all in Russian, but uh, uh, it, was, it, was quite, uh, it was quite funny. And, um, and the next day we went to a Siberian town of Brask, uh, B-R-A-S-K, I think it's the right uh, spelling. Sounds a bit Russian, yeah. Uh, so we spent uh, two nights in Brask or actually nearly two days. Uh, the first day, we did go to uh, a visit, I did visit a hydroelectric power station. Uh, mainly hydroelectric power stations are used in Siberia. Um, That's are, good actually. There mm. are three nuclear power stations, but they are not building any more and eventually they will be replaced by well, other means. Well, as long as the water doesn't freeze, you've got no real problems with the hydro. And, uh, Are they taking any hydro out of that four-degree lake? Uh, I bet they uh, weren't. <laughs> yeah, go I'm on. I'm not too sh- sure. Yeah. I just can't remember the name of the uh, the river uh, in Brass, but uh, there is a, quite a big dam, and because all the water that's sort of dammed up, you know, quite a big lake, mm. is now called the Brask Sea. Good God. And, uh, of course... It's been rather large. Um, you see how of... Anyway, you see how of logs, I'll tell you a bit about the uh, timber mills in a f- few minutes. So I went into That's this... That's on page uh, 10. Here you go. I went into this uh, hydroelectric uh, power station and uh, it was quite uh, it was quite interesting. It, actually, it's not much uh, different uh, you know, to the uh, hydroelectric power stations, you know, in Australia, you know, the usual turbines and... Uh, and things like that. Anyway, I went inside, and on the wall, you know, there was a like a um, a description and a scale of like a you know cut section of the uh, hydroelectric system. And the guy pressed a button, and you see all these beautiful lights sort of running. They had sort of blue lights sort of running to indicate the flow of water, mm. and uh, sort of sort of going through the turbines and map of uh, Siberia was, you know, with sort of red line, now uh, lights sort of running to indicate flow of electricity and things like that. And it was... Uh, uh, pretty jazzy. It was quite a few megawatt uh, power station. It was not uh, completed, though. It was one of the... They have a, what they call a five-year plan, where they uh, make plans for the uh, next five years. Mm. And uh, after five years, then they have another five-year uh, planning system. In other words, you know, to keep uh, developing the country. And uh, that was uh, quite 
interesting and I saw the uh, all the high tension lines, the switching and all that and the voltage over there was 220 volts, two wire system. Um, there's no, uh, apparently there's no earth, I don't know. They just say there's just two holes in the power points. There's 220 volts, 50 cycles. Hmm. I wonder if it's got anything to do with the permafrost, the fact that there's literally no earth. Yes. It's all frozen water or something. Yeah. You'd have a job getting an earth around there. Uh, later on in the afternoon... Doubt it, but anyway. I went to uh, Nebraska timber mills. Before I went into the uh, into the factory, uh, we did go up in the dam, and you see uh, whole uh, millions you know, of wood piles. And across the lake, you can see uh, where the trees have been cut down. What they do is they cut down enough trees uh, to, to last, you know, to supply the paper mills or to make enough paper for 80 years. And during that 80 years, while well, they plant new trees, and in another 80 years, then they cut down another 80 years worth of trees. So, uh, in other words, you know, they still can, you know, keep all it down. Yeah. And uh, on the uh, bank of the lake, you see a whole lot of logs which sort of piled up, and they just sort of keep them there until the winter time, when the ice, when the lake freezes over, uh, over, then they uh, sort of release all these logs and they roll them over the lake to the uh, paper mills. I went into this uh, paper mill and I was quite amazed. The uh, working conditions were quite excellent. Uh, everything was automation, automatic. Oh, automation yeah. was quite incredible. Yeah. Um, in fact, I didn't see all that many workers in this in this place. It was mainly only you know, technicians you know, sort of checking all the machinery. Apparently the Russians are supposed to be quite advanced though in their technology. Yeah, in some ways they're quite uh, advance. Um, yeah. Anyway, I did see uh, you know, the normal procedure of making cardboard and paper and so forth. And uh, then I did see uh, a whole pile of paper about a yard square, perhaps stacked about six foot high, which goes under this uh, crusher, which sort of crashes, sort of crashes these pile right down to say about three foot, uh, about three foot. Pressure in Russia, yeah. Uh, then it sort of went along and um, on, on the conveyor belt, then it goes under this machine, which sort of wraps it up in brown paper. You know, this wraps uh, what up? Oh, this uh, pile of cardboard, oh. you know, ready for packaging. Hmm. Then it went under another machine and sort of out of nowhere, just sort of, you know, wires just sort of come down to tie up this package. Mm -hmm. And it sort of went along the conveyor belt and it sort of another machine sort of turned it around and sort of went down on a small lift. And it's interesting because it sounds, if it's all automated like that, mm. like over here they spew about automation, the unions get yeah. in, you know, mm. it sounds like they don't have any unions over there. There are trade unions, so I'll tell you a little, little, little bit about them in a, yeah. a little while. Yeah. And uh, I did, you know, go for a walk, walk through this uh, factory and um, I did even go past the canteen, which was quite clean. I was there in an 11 to 12 o'clock uh, lunch break and it was quite clean and pot plants in you know, the factory and all that. Um, the workers there, they work a 40 hour week, 
now uh, 14 hours um, and uh, the average wage is about 150 rubles a month about a month. A month, yeah, about $180 a month. Yeah, Gee, that's not is, very good. Do they, uh, now, this is getting interesting. Now, do, they, do the workers, did you ever get to talk to anyone? No, none of the work, no, not the workers, because I can't uh, speak Russian. But I was, at that stage, travelling around with this Canadian professor who could speak perfect Russian. Yeah, and, and did, you, well get, other, did other you get the impression that they were uh, very happy? Well, uh, they seem to be quite uh, satisfied, these... Uh, these workers, mm-hmm. um, they pay uh, only they pay 10% income tax flat. Doesn't yeah. matter if if you're uh, a well-qualified engineer with degrees and all that, and you're getting say 500 rubles a month, you only pay 50 rubles tax. Mm-hmm. It's tax-free up to 72 rubles per month. Uh, is there such a thing as the dole over there? Can you go on the dole? What uh, if you're not working? Well, there's no unemployment, because, you know, there are people out of work, you do occasionally no see, some, you do see some hippies and... Uh, what, Ru- are, Russian hippies? Yes. Really? I came across and, uh, a few of them in Kahabarovsk. What, so you don't have to work? Uh, I, think you, I think everybody is supposed to uh, work, but... Uh, well, if you don't work, what would happen to you? Well, you just don't get any, uh, you know, you just sort of don't get any money. Oh. I'm, uh, but these, uh, well, these what workers... Here. If you don't get going to the Didn't Gil meet some Russian hippies when he was over there? Gil? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. The interesting thing I was wondering, you know how you said they only get about 180 bucks a month? Yes. Um, how do the prices of normal well, articles in shops such right, as I'll, I'll that compare that. with their income? Right, I'll answer that That's first. That's on page 12. Yeah, go on. Right, first, um... They pay 10% income tax. Mm-hmm. The accommodation, if they live in apartment flats, is no more than 3 or 4% of their wage. In other words, it's quite cheap, at, uh, about $4 a month. But what's the standard of their accommodation at that point? Uh, not as high as it is here, uh, although I didn't go inside any of the flats, but uh, I sort of got the impression that... Uh, I did have a quick look inside, but... Uh, only sort of through a doorway when I was trying to find a ham in Brask, which was nearly impossible, but uh, uh, oh, quite quite comfortable and no, no problems. Mm. So, in other words, they sort of work out their rent uh, per square metre, you know, of the area of, well, so I suppose, you know, floor space of the flat, something like about 35 kopecks per square metre or something, which works out about... Uh, or maybe less than that, but it works out. That, you know, it's about three or four percent. Um, about you know, of your total wage for your accommodation. Mm. Uh, medicine is free. There are approximately thirty-three doctors uh, available to one thousand people. So there's a lot of uh, uh, doctors. Education is free. And on the public holidays, which they get three weeks holidays a year uh, these workers they can go anywhere in the Soviet Union uh, by train for free they can go by air but they pay the difference between the airfare and the train fare uh, so uh, and during the winter where 
with the in brask, especially where the temperature does get down to minus 60 degrees centigrade, which is uh, very cold, because a lot of outside work is stopped. Uh, but you know, in other words, you know, they all they can do is stay home. But during that time, which could be quite a few months, the state still pay their normal wage, even though all they can do is stay home and watch TV. Um, I'm sort of talking about you know, road works and things like that, which you know, minus 60 or minus 50 degrees of blizzards and things are being nearly impossible to work. Uh, the price of goods, the essential items such as food, stuff and clothing, very cheap. Public transport is dirt cheap. It's incredible. But non-essential items such as transistor radios are very expensive as they pay a very high duty. Is there much in the way of um, private transport? Uh, yes, not as much as here. Uh, but you know, this, especially in the larger cities, uh, you know, you can see quite a, you know, you know, a bit of you know, traffic jams and things like that. But not as much as it is here. The price of a cars. Uh, there's, there's two main cars over there. Is the uh, the Volga, which is uh, a Russian-designed car, and the Moskvich, which is... Um, Good name for it. Which, yeah. is like, which is a Fiat, like a Fiat. Aye. Um, that's a very... Those are the main two uh, cars uh, in the Soviet Union. And there is quite... You know, you do see quite a few private cars, but not as much, say, you know, in the Western uh, countries. Just as well. Um... Transistor radios, as I said before, you do pay very high duty. Colour TV sets about the same price as they are here. Uh, about 500, 600 uh, rubles for colour TV set. Well, you know, that's... Oh, yeah, I suppose, what's that? Hang on, 180. Just trying to work out how many times your weekly wage would be. Yeah, well... Probably about three or four times compared to here. Well, your weekly, weekly wage over there is probably something like about 45. 45, yeah. About 45. So it's about 12 times the average weekly wage, which would be, um, you know, about $1,500 out here. Colour uh, TV. Yes, well... Would um, Yeah, well, the system is uh, quite different um, over there. Probably not worth buying it for the programs anyway. In fact, I didn't see any solid-state television sets. They're all all still using valve mm. but the uh, quality of colour is uh, is quite uh, nice good as you can get with valves yeah, yeah well I was, I was you know, quite impressed mm. um, so you know the workers you know they haven't got it so bad really um, but normally you know, they're not free to travel mm. they need special permission uh, the uh, the locals if you want to travel, if you're a Russian and you want to go to another city, you do need a passport. Just to go to another city? Yeah, the equivalent, like if you want to go to Sydney, <coughs> you'll need a passport. Mm. Uh, this mm. is what they... While we're on... Does um, that also mean... Oh. Does that also mean, uh, with this passport system, that you have to sort of get permission to go out of one town and... Yes, yes. Um, so if you well, just can't go to the next town. Well, this passport, 
is, well, let's just say it's valid for the Soviet Union, but if you want to go to another city, well, if you want to go to Sydney, then you could need a visa, a, a permit, to go to another city, and you've got to make arrangements through interest, just like what the tourists got to do. Uh, see, it, um, you are limited to the city boundaries. In other words, a Russian just sort of, you know, go for 100 miles, say, into the country, you know, you know that's for a day trip, they need uh, special permission. Farmers are also, because uh, restricted, they can only, you know, go to the nearest town, say, for supplies. But a farmer couldn't sort of go to uh, the place, say, you know, hundreds of uh, miles away, things like that. So they're quite restricted in, you know, in their, you know, to travel. And it's nearly impossible to get an external passport, in other words, to visit other countries. Go ahead, King Street. Lionel, um... Yes? Sorry to take you back, but down to colour TVs... Yes. Again, have you got any idea what colour system they use? Whether it's PAL or NTSC? Uh, it's, not, um, it's not PAL. Uh, I is it that French system, CCAM? I'm not too sure. I do have a book inside. Which uh, oh, don't don't yeah. bother about that now. The other thing, Lionel, the actual restriction of travel is. Do you think that's due to sort of political control? Like, if you keep them in their own backyards, they can't do anything. Or is it purely that uh, if you did have a large that many people travelling around, as we can do in our in our society, that uh, their resources wouldn't be able to cope. Yeah, so I think uh, the only because um, I did ask uh, this, this uh, professor about this, and he said, "Well, they just want, want to know where uh, everybody is." And well, it's, it's generally generally fairly policed. The whole damn well, system is. If you try and leave the cities, uh, yeah. Uh, but in, in, in general, just sort of in general, apart from travelling from city to city, you, did you sort of get the impression it was sort of like a police state sort of thing? Or? Yeah, well, it is a bit like a, it is like a, uh, a police state. And, you know, like you're not free to travel, you're not free to start up your own business. What's the crime and, like over there? Is it about the same? Um, Pinching things and... The crime so? level, well, is quite low. Cause, uh, well, does, does more happen to you if you get caught or what? Well, I think... You, you know, get sent off to Siberia. Got, if you got caught, say, for robbery or something like that, yeah. uh, the penalties are more harsh and... Um, what, sent off to the salt mines for 10 you know, years? Yeah, you're sent off in a, you know, to, to the prisons, and their prisons, from what I've heard, are pretty horrid. Mm, like, well, um, Pedridge what? would be, uh, you know, a holiday home, mm. you know, in comparison. However, mm. um, in Brasco... Did see a couple of uh, years, so sort of buzzing around on their motorcycles, and they were sort of pulled up by the police. Uh, I don't know what for, whether they're driving, with, riding without a license, you know, or anything like that. But or uh, a passport. Or... Uh, anyway, they were one of them sort of stopped, and the other guy sort of ran for his life. Aye. And this other policeman sort of went, ran after him. On ran, foot. On foot, yeah. Mm. And they went behind this flat and. This policeman came back and uh, sort of, uh, you know, lost this other, this other uh, fellow. Oh. Anyway, this uh, other fellow that uh, didn't run away, he, a uh, police bus sort of pulled up and they stopped this other uh, fellow. Oh. Anyway, this uh, other fellow that uh, didn't run away, he, a uh, police bus sort of pulled up and they sort of, he uh, sort of walked into the bus and they must have sort of went off uh, 
police station or something, but uh, I, I don't think the crime rate is as bad over there as it is here. Uh, right, anyway, um, it got, uh, had quite long days too. At uh, half past nine, it was quite sunny, and it got dark about uh, 11 o'clock at night. What? At 11 o'clock at night, it was 11 just uh, starting to get dark. Of, of those northern temperate zones. Yeah, what's it called? There's a word for that, the yeah. northern temperate zones. Uh, tundra? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, no, we're getting you know, a bit up north and looking uh, like at slight about 2 o'clock in the morning or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, really long days. So nobody uh, sort of gets up, gets up at sunrise. Oh, of course, if you go further up, it's daylight for six months, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Uh, midnight sun. Anyway, from Brask, I then went on an Aeroflot plane. I went on this uh, plane, um, Aeroflot, which is the uh, Soviet Airlines, and uh, I went, it was a uh, about a four-hour trip to Moscow by air. Um, it was a, quite a hot day, and I went on with this T-shirt, you know, that's T-shirt and jeans that day and uh, as soon as we got off the plane uh, off the uh, off the ground in this plane they turned the air conditioning up for blast and the temperature went down from about 80 degrees Fahrenheit down to about 40 why do they like it like that yeah they just sort of had the air conditioning up for blast and I was sort of in the, the, the front turned the air conditioning off that's why it'd be cold up there. They probably just turned the air conditioning off. They haven't got air conditioning. Mm. Yeah, and what, be, what's the right. service? What's the service like on the flight? Do you get offered drinks or um, what sort of? First, they come around uh, with this whole plate of toffees, and you could grab a cup of uh, lollies and things. And that was about Russian it. toffees. And that was about it. I didn't get a meal. Well, they just feed you toffees all the time. Oh, they just sort of give oh on the plane. On the plane. Yeah and uh, a couple of times uh, and a drink of uh, fruit juice. Well, it sounds like it's an unpressurised plane to me. Well, what do they offer your toffees to chew at the beginning of the flight as for adjusting your eardrums? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Haven't you ever been... You've flown around in a lot... Oh, you've never been on commercial flights in a light air. No, no. Yeah, well, they always... Uh, uh, trips on the Dakotas up to Mildura. used to do that when I was very young, about six, eight. And they mm. always used to offer you a barley sugar to a, so you can chew it and get your ears to clear. Oh, he's you he's swallowing all the time. Yeah, unpressurised yeah. plane. So it sounds like Lionel was flying in a rather ancient type of aircraft. Well, it was a, something like a 707. Yeah, it was jet. It's out in the air conditioning. Well, look, it's possible that uh, they started off when they had aeroplanes of the ancient type having that sort of yeah, that's routine. True. And yeah. it's just a traditional routine that stuck even though the mm. aeroplanes have advanced so beyond that. Food. Yeah. Anyway, the runways are quite rough, uh, actually. You, you know, you, the plane sort of goes, you know, you go along the runway and... You hit a, a you know, bump, 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 mm. bump. Then, as it was taking off, I saw a four-foot plane coming out of the engines. What, out of the jets? Out of the jets. Yeah. Whether that's normal or not, I don't know, but I wasn't... Uh, Probably is in Russia. I wasn't all that impressed, and, um, and there were four hours. Perhaps I just a bit rich. I yeah. just, yeah, you know, I was wondering why all these Russian tourists sort of went on with thick coats. I soon found out. What? 
Oh, when they turned the, the nishning off? Yes. You're sitting there going... That's right, I was too. <laughs> it was incredible. Mm. Uh, halfway, about halfway to Moscow, we did a touch down for about 20 minutes at this other, this, uh, this other place, and we all got off. The tourists go one way, and the Russian, uh, the locals or the Russians go another way. They head for a local pub. Um, we are sort of taken, you know, to this nice lounge room where they served us um, mineral water and uh, um, I don't think, we, no, we weren't served tea, but just sort of uh, mineral water. It was quite, you know, quite comfortable seats and all that for we waiting. And I sort of walked up this corridor and I sort of looked down at the Russian uh, waiting, you know, Russian passenger terminal. Mm. And uh, you see all these Russians sort of sitting on uh, concrete floors, you know, some of them sort of sleeping on their uh, baggage and, uh, and oh, all yeah. that. Oh, yeah, was uh, Very well looked after, in other words. Yes, well, yeah. like, we were sort of really looked after. <laughs> then mm. they get the uh, foreign tourist on first, because seats are not reserved, so we get all the best seats. Okay. Then uh, you see all these Russian uh, All come tourists, whimpering uh, on. Yeah, they sort of come running, you know, for the plane, and... Sort of end of the yeah, plane taking off with half a dozen Russians still trying to get on board. Yes. Hanging uh, on the assembly. If you're a Russian, you can expect to wait up to 24 hours to get a flight. What, after you get to the airport? Uh, you yeah, mean? Right, yes. Hmm. And so uh, you lie there on your block of concrete. So you yes. might as well go on the train. You might as well walk. Uh, yes. Hmm. Uh, anyway, the plane took off and of course it got freezing cold once again. Actually, quite interesting uh, flying, you know, in the westerly uh, direction when it was near sunset because the sun just didn't move. Uh, oh, yeah, fair enough. It was quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. Now, we got to Moscow about 12 o'clock at night and uh, circled circle around Moscow for a couple of times. Seems like we've got two studios over at King Street. I'm sorry, yes, we do. Oh, fair enough. You continue. Well, anyway, we... Uh, Page 12. About 1 o'clock in the morning... Um, I was sort of led to uh, you know, to the taxi, and um, the uh, driver sort of took me to the hotel, which was only about a five minutes walk from Red Square. Went to the uh, uh, Russia Russia, uh, Russia hotel, and uh, anyway, the next day, because uh, I was in Moscow at that time, um, which was on a uh, Saturday, I went for a tour of the Kremlin. And uh, you don't actually sort of go through the government buildings, but you go into, you know, like the Kremlin Gardens and... Uh, yeah, which is the Kremlin's where the Premier lives or something? Yeah, or, that's where the or Premier... Or the whole government sort of, or yeah, what? Yeah, that's the, the... The Kremlin is is where the, the government of the, uh, you know, the Soviet Union, you know, uh, hang out. I love their names, you know, I mean, Kremlin, it sounds like Gremlin. Mm. I wonder if it's where Gremlin came from. Anyway, I went, uh, I went through the, uh, the Kremlin and... Um, they, you know, you went through various uh, churches, you know, which are just made into museums. And inside, like I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a particularly religious person, mm. um, but I was really amazed to the work, you know, and the, you know, you know, and the work and the mosaics and paintings, you know, in these, especially uh, this, you know, these Russian Orthodox uh, churches, because in the Tsar's days, you know, they were quite religious people. Mm. And that was, you know, it was quite incredible. And 
there you saw the um, the biggest cannon uh, or they call it the cannon that never fired um, it was a big cannon right. if you can just imagine the width of the barrel is about three feet hey. uh, the length of the cannon is perhaps about 20 feet hmm. um, right anyway what a cannon that used to shoot cannon balls yeah well the cannon balls are three foot in diameter now oh, yes. of course uh, one of the uh, the czars, I think it was Ivan the Terrible, uh, <laughs> wanted, he wanted the biggest cannon in the in the world. However, they made this thing. And apparently, um, nobody could lift the balls. That's in. right. They had the problem, like they couldn't lift the balls mm. into it because it you know, weighed too much. They kept dropping them on their toes. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, they would have needed you know, a hell of a lot of you know gunpowder, and because of the shape of the cannon. And various things. And the balls used to get stuck yeah, halfway the balls, down. The balls would just sort of roll out and crash. But during the early days, they used to roll this cannon out on the red square, or out in the square, which used to scare off the invaders. It was. Uh, the only thing is, would the cannon have exploded if they had loaded up and tried to fire it? I wonder if they ever did fire. No, cannibal. it never fired. Hmm. Then you see the biggest bell. Uh, in the world, something that weighs 211 tons. Oh, yeah. It stands about uh, 20 feet high. And it's quite a massive uh, thing. Did you say bell? Bell, yeah. Mm. Thing that goes, you know, ding, 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 ding. Did you yeah, hear? That's how they give tings over there. Did you hear it? No, that's uh, no, no, the bell's never been it's, rung. It's never <laughs> rung. Uh, it was. Um, no one, no one can lift the clanger. That's right. Well, they had no means of lifting it, and, oh, for, it. and for quite a few centuries, it was just sort of left in the uh, store in the storeroom, and the uh, fire broke out. And the result, the metal just sort of expanded, then contracted, and the piece broke off. And that piece itself, which is about four foot high, itself weighs seven tons. The only way they could ring the bell was to get the world's biggest cannon and fire the three foot four letters. <laughs> Hmm. Break a piece off. <laughs> anyway, However, the scientists worked that it worked out that if it did ring, it wouldn't have been heard outside the Kremlin walls, which is about a hundred yards. Why is that? Ah, uh, just because of the shape. Uh, because of the low frequency. Yeah. So, would have rung at a few cycles. Wouldn't it? Mm. it uh, it wouldn't be heard outside the Kremlin walls because of the shape and the uh, design. Uh, off the cannon. The soundproof Kremlin walls. Seems like a giraffe an idea that's impractical idea. Seems like they had a big phobia about the biggest of this and the biggest of that. Mm, we love the States. Um, anyway, also oh, went on a like. general tour of uh, Moscow, mm. which was uh, a few hours sort uh, of tour. And, uh, oh, shut up, Pips. Turn the Pips down a bit. On channel Alpha. Just to keep the uh, marine happy. Yeah, right. Eh? Right. I wonder they, they must be quite interested in this uh, crossband. Yeah, they're probably making a tape so they can re-edit it and make us all look like we're trying to spread communism or something. <laughs> yeah, go on. Uh, so we went on this uh, general tour of uh, uh, Moscow, which was uh, which was quite interesting. You see, uh, uh, well, because it starts off, you go on the Red Square and. Uh, was on the red square one end 
is the St. Basil's Cathedral, which was built in 1669, which looks like an Arabian uh, building. But St. Basil. St. Basil's. Good heavens. And yeah. uh, it's uh, quite a magnificent uh, uh, building, you know, with, uh, with funny-looking uh, round... Basil's all over it. Yeah. The organ's so big it was never played. Yes. <laughs> they could never get enough air to blow through it. Yeah. And uh, actually, you know, the architecture of the building was you know, was quite you know, fantastic. Mm. Uh, really, I've got to show you slides to, you know, for anyone to appreciate it. Yeah. Um, on the other side of the red square... That's an idea. We could play. We could bring this tape round. You could put the slides on yeah. and pop in appropriate slides. Yes. That'd be quite. Yeah. All right. I'll have to, uh, do Hang on. I'll get some music mm. going and keep going. Um, anyway, on the other way into the red square, oh, there's terrible. this uh, red brick building. Yeah, midnight in Moscow. I'll get that. Yeah, keep going. Right. Um, dun, which dun, uh, dun, 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 this dun, other dun, uh, dun, building, dun, which. Dun. Is the Lennon Museum, and that was uh, that's uh, yes. quite a weird-looking building. Which again, I would really have to show the slides. Yeah, and put it on there. Right. Hang on. You got it handy there. Yeah, it's just just stick it in. We're gonna hear something, are we? I'm just waiting to have a look at the slide. You got it? Oh yes, here it is. Stick it in. Right, it's in. Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. Is that Kodachrome too? Uh, yes, and yeah, it looks uh, a bit to, the, to the left of it, uh, you'll see... Um, Down the bottom. Uh, bottom yeah, left. Probably, yeah, to the uh, bottom uh, left-hand corner, mm. you'll see a funny-looking... Uh, like you'll see Lennon's tomb, where Lennon is embalmed. Yeah. Where the actual... And you probably see a whole row of people which sort of... Is that whole thing, that whole big structure, just a tomb? Well, it's... Uh, as you can see, it's about... Or perhaps about ten foot high, sort of made of uh, what are all those, all those people sort of standing yeah, well, near there's a, it? Yeah, there's a whole queue of people, as you will see, which yeah. goes for a mile. That's what I'm sort of wondering. Are they just there for the tomb, are they? They're just sort of uh, you know, going, you know, sort of... Hang on, there's another queue at the other side. That's a queue that's sort of... That's the people uh, leaving... And then it's, uh, you know, sort of leaving the, the tomb. They just sort of go what in. What do they just sort of? They go, just go in and they have a look at uh, uh, Lennon, sort of in barn. And that queue of people waiting uh, is a mile long. Hmm. Uh, you know, quite in the. What are the how come? Is it sort of traditional or what? Yeah, well, look. Were they, uh, were they told to? When Lennon was uh, alive. Uh, they, they wouldn't have been going through his tomb then. Mm. Yeah, go on. Uh, not, you know, like he was sort of worshipping, you know, like he was the father of communism. He, what, you know, he's the one that started the revolution. Because hmm. before, um, you know, before communism... It sounds like communism's a state religion, and mm. that's probably why religious groups hate communism so much, because they're so close to each other. Um, but, you know, before uh, Lenin... Uh, there was a lot of, you know, property and, uh... Did you get to go through the tomb? Uh, I was trying to, but, uh, but you couldn't wait in a mile-long queue? Well, I was told, uh, by the service bureau at my hotel, I asked them, you know, how do I... Can I... How do I go about seeing Lennon's tomb without having to wait in the, uh... Queue? ...mile-long queue? And she mm. says, well, look, get your passport and take it behind 
Well, go behind Lennon's uh, museum mm. and there'll be a policeman there. Show your passport and there's a special queue for, for foreign tourists. Yeah. So they'll be For the world. So uh, yeah. I sort of uh, went there and this policeman, this, uh, he, was, he had this uh, megaphone and he was sort of walking up to the, uh, the Russians and I produced my passport but he sort of pushed me back and sort of walking up to me uh, with this silly little megaphone. At one stage, he went behind me and he was yelling this uh, megaphone right in my eardrums. Oh, yeah. Um, and I see all these um, other tourists sort of going past this policeman with these plastic tags, you know, with numbers on. And, of course, I was trying to find out... Uh, you know, where, where, where to get a tag. Where to get this tag. So, uh, I couldn't find anyone that could speak English. Not a soul, you know... If they weren't Russians, they were French, Germans, Italian, Spanish. I couldn't find anyone that could speak English. And, of course, I did find this Canadian. He was on the same boat, and he couldn't uh, find out where these <coughs> people got these tags. So I tried, you know, desperately. And you should have just made one up. Uh, yes. Anyway, this uh, Canadian fellow gave up in disgust, and I was just about to give up in disgust until I found out that I should have gone round to the side of the museum and they said you're not allowed to take cameras or, ba- or bags into the tomb and what you do you hand in your any bags you got or cameras and they give you a tag anyway it was too late and I sort of uh, missed out what they close the tomb do they? yeah it's only open from about 2 or 3 days a week from about 10 uh, from, uh, from 11.30 to about 1 mm. only, only for about 90 minutes mm. So, oh, you probably uh, didn't miss much. And, um, of course, you behind the tomb, um, if you can just imagine uh, St. Basil's, the big square, Lennon's Museum at the uh, other end, mm. and um, on the side of the square you see this uh, Lennon's tomb. Where's, where's, where's St. Basil's in the photo, in the slide? Um, well, if you, uh, I'll put it in this other slide. Oh, it's on another slide. I'm yeah. just wondering why I couldn't right see up. it. Right, there's some bezels. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Gee, it's not bad, is it? Mm. Anyway, uh, you've What's seen it made it? out of? Is it sort of granite or...? No, it's sort of, it's sort of made of, out of uh, bricks like and things. Near the... Because you see the big uh, wall, which is the Kremlin wall. Where about? Which side? Well, be the right of... Uh, Bezels. Yeah. Yeah. CQ Channel V, CQ, is somebody able to copy, please? VK3, 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 He wrecked St. Bezels when he did that. Uh, yeah, somebody tell him that... Mike, um, we're having a crossband to one... Say hello or something. Where, oh, hello. <laughs> um, g'day. Um... So we are copying. Ask him if he's got 160 but in the car. Bit, if you've got 160, you can join in. Oops. No, the, the, I sort of realised that. Um, I was just being mobile from the ramp, and I had a bit of car trouble. And, uh, in fact, I still do have a lot of car trouble. And um, I was hoping that um, I'd be able to uh, get in contact you, with you when I was there, but nobody didn't seem to hear me. Uh, you were probably a good copy, but you didn't seem to hear me when I broke in. Um, I'm just up to the town hall at the moment. And uh, looks like I'm going to make it home anyway, so 
inch piece of wire on two metres. You'd at least better hear me this close. And uh, if my car doesn't fall apart, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Oh, sorry to hear you having that trouble there, Mike. Yeah, I, when I've got my mute properly on, where where it's sort of wide open on extraneous noises. Yes. Sorry, what are you? You in box hill somewhere? Yeah, Roger. Uh, where about, so I'm just coming through if you'd like to have an eyeball. Yeah, well, uh, we're about to tell you at the moment. Yeah, so, uh, we didn't copy you, so I'll just, uh, hang around and, uh, continue the crossband. Back I'll to see you, you later. Yeah, fine, Philip. Um, <coughs> boy, you must have a deaf, deaf mute. <laughs> it's not, not being funny either, because you were sort of full quieting from down there. Um, no worries. Well, I'm almost home, so I'll leave you guys to it. I'll listen perhaps a bit when I get home. Um, yeah, nothing more to say. I'm very tired, so, so see you later. Uh, 3 bit x Roger. Yeah, he obviously hasn't got 160 in the car. Yeah. Continue, Lionel. It's right, very interesting. Sorry to interrupt. Yes, it's most interesting. Right, OK. Yeah, we're looking at um, thing uh, the Kremlin. The Kremlin. The wall. Right. Can okay. you stick it back in again? Right, uh, because those bips are coming fast. Yeah, I'll miss time, hang on, I'll miss the time. Right, I'll, I'll watch them this time. Right, okay. Mm. Um, anyway, um, on, along the Kremlin Wall, you know, there's a you know, big entrance that's, you know, the government uh, uh, entrances, you know, where the Premier and uh, all the other uh, government officials sort of go in and out. And <coughs> top of that, you know, there's a big clock tower, sort mm. of, which is, you know, Ivan's clock tower, which mm. is, uh, you know, which is, uh, when that sort of chimes, it sounds very nice, and if you listen to Radio Moscow, you'll hear the chimes of that uh, clock. Like it's so loud. And, and in the, uh, in the Kremlin itself, uh, there's a lot of, you know, cathedrals with golden domes, um, you now which is, you know, quite in, you know, incredible. Wasted sort of gold, gold leaf. Yeah. And, you know, and you know, in some of these domes, you know, there's quite a few kilograms of, uh, you know, of gold. Seems like they go they go in a tremendous amount mm. doing things for the sake of appearances. Um, Moscow has a population of about six million. Mm. The actual area of Moscow is not as much as Melbourne, but you know it is quite a um, big uh, city. Uh, one of the main street, Gorky uh, Street. Oh, name one after him. Gorky uh, Street, which is one of the main sort of drags, and uh, you know of uh, Moscow. Uh, Who's there? Who's going? Hello. Oh, I just. Uh, oh, it's alright. Can you hear me? Oh. Um, how many millions in there? I beg your pardon. How many millions? What people? people? Yeah. Six million. Yeah, sorry, I turned it down because Mike's yeah. about thirty dB louder than you. Uh, six million people. Mm. Um, live in, uh, in Moscow. And uh, I went on this uh, four-hour uh, tours, uh, tour and um, came across, you know, sort of went up on top of Lennon Hills where the Moscow University is, and from there you get a quite a nice view of Moscow City, uh, Moscow River, 
and uh, and then the uh, Olympic uh, Sports Stadium, well, the big sports stadium where the 1980 Olympic Games going to be held, and the Moscow University is quite a high building, something like about perhaps about 30 or 40 stories high. Uh, it's not an old building. Yeah, well, you can see it uh, quite a fair way, actually, and. Uh, that's the you know that's the main university of. That'd be one of the tallest buildings there. Wouldn't it you? is, but the tallest building uh, in the Soviet Union. Hmm. Uh, the Moscow University, and of course, uh, <coughs> education there is free. And if you're a good student, you know, doing quite well, you can, you know, get an allowance of about a hundred rubles per month. Hmm. And of course, a lot of the students if they come from other parts of the Soviet Union they also they got living quarters at this Moscow then again I'll have to show you a slide to sh oh work it in work it in oh there it is oh that was quick oh, yeah. yes they had it ready yes yeah. no worries um, what a horrible looking place looks real boring <laughs> anyway it's uh, quite a, it's about the highest building uh, in the uh, in the Soviet Union looks like, a, looking window, looks like a housing commission mm. um it's got ugly-looking windows on it. Yeah. Lionel, yes. just one thing. How long in toto were you inside Russian territory? How long what? In how, toto. In, how many weeks were you there? I was in the Actually on Russian soil. Uh, 16 days. The pips are due, but they haven't come yet. 16 days in the Soviet Union. Well, they're due now, anyway. Is there any limit on how long you can stay there? Uh, well, no, there's, you can especially stay there as long as you like, if you can pay for everything in the, during that time. It's quite possible you could stay there for 12 months, but uh, it would cost you a lot of uh, money. Well, was it expensive compared to travelling in other parts of the world? Uh, no, actually it's not. For 16 days, including everything, airfares, train, hotels, I was paying $30 a day for hotel accommodation. Uh, the whole lot came to $800. $30 a day? Yes. That's a fair bit, isn't it? Yeah, well, during the... Uh, Is that because you're a tourist? During the peak... Uh, uh, season, <laughs> you uh, you got to either go first class or deluxe class. You know they they don't sort of have you know tourist class you know accommodation. They only have that in the off peak season. And mm. I was paying up to thirty dollars a day. Come on, Pips, where are you? Like that's thirty dollars a day purely for accommodation. Accommodation, including uh, uh, the breakfast and. One sighting to a day. Hmm, well, they're either 15 seconds late or one minute and 15 yeah. seconds late. I'll this check. Yeah, my minute hand must be... would be enjoying this transmission. Oh, he would have gone to sleep hours ago. Lionel? Yes? Is it a bit late for visits or what? Oh, you can come around if you like. I'm <laughs> um, setting up the top of Elga Road and uh, Canterbury Road at the moment. Oh, just go, just go down Elga Road. Uh, <coughs> you know where my other road is? Roger. Well, it's the first, after you go past Mount Albert Road, it's the first street on your uh, right, and uh, then you just sort of come down Bryan Street, and uh, it's number 24, there's a big palm tree out in the front, and sort of come down the side of the house, uh, and sort of come down to the, uh, the shack. But uh, be careful not to trip over a wire, I'm halfway through. Uh, Bearing a radial, so... Uh, don't slip on all the vodka bottles. Yeah, as long uh, as there's no Alsatians. 
Yeah. No, no alsatians. How are you getting the slides uh, in your car there, Gary? Are you picking up or what? What was that? Are you picking the slides up okay in the car or are you getting flutter on them? Hang on a second. I'm getting really good reception on the slides here. They fill the whole ceiling. I can look up. I'm just sitting back in my chair. As long as the ceiling doesn't uh, collapse. It's like the chap oh, It's a new ceiling and it's white, so it's extra good to look at slides on. Actually receiving pretty bad here. The UH videoscope is not working too good. Oh, you're getting a bit of flutter. The, Kremlin, right. the Kremlin's shaking around. The Gremlins are in the Kremlin. You go on, Miles. Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, um, one uh, morning I was Mr. Tuercus uh, on the uh, on the Monday. I had to go and get my East German visa. Couldn't get it in Australia, so I was given the address of the uh, of the East German consul. So I hopped in a taxi and. Uh, went there and found that the place was closed, or was being renovated. And what, East Berlin? Oh, the the place where you got the visa? Yeah. Yeah. So I had to sort of, uh, eventually uh, found it, and uh, got the, uh, the East German visa, which took a bit, you know, a bit of time, and I sort of missed a tour. So uh, I decided I'd go for... Go uh, over the wall? I, you know, I thought no. I'd go and see Moscow myself, so... I spent a whole afternoon mm. going around the public transport. Oh, yeah. Is, is it one of those places where you can do it for 10 cents sort of thing? Um, like London? Uh, well, London is uh, not 10 cents, something like that, 90 cents. Yeah, you go around the tube all day, though. You go around, around yeah, circles. Yeah, it about a pound. Oh. Yes. A new pound? Yes. Or an old pound? New pound. That's a dollar, is it? 10 shillings? Uh, no. Oh. It's a pound. It's a pound. It's a yeah, pound. Okay. There's no difference uh, between the old pound and the new pound. Looks exactly I wish the, the same. bloody poms would make it then. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the underground is five cents, and you can go. You can stay on that train as long as you like. In other words, you can go right to the terminus, even though it's on the other, on the other side of Moscow. Yeah, so you can curl up and go to sleep on it. Stay yeah, there all yeah. day. Yes. Hmm. Uh, Trams are about four cents. Same thing, you know, you can stay on the Are they low? Do they have trams? Uh, yes. Oh. But are they green? Uh, no, they... Oh, blimey, I forgot. I think they were sort of uh, an orangey colour. Oh, I'll give them a few years, they'll go green. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. uh, they don't go... Actually, no, they're quite good. You know, they don't sort of go, you know, ding, ding, bang. What do they do? As uh, David, uh, ASC sort of would say. Um, and there's, of course, there's buses, you know, they're about four cents, you know, over three or four cents, and you can stay as long as you like. Uh, so I went on first, so I went on the underground first. I sort of went down to this underground station. Now I'm getting interested. Uh, and now, what was the underground like? And that was most interesting. How many, how many levels down did you go? 84? 84. Did you go down in the lift? No, I didn't go in the lift. Did you have to lift up a trapdoor in the gutter to get into it? No. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't quite as bad as Joe's effort. I wonder if Joe's listening. Uh, did you keep Joe. getting blown up when you got down there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many levels down did you go? Uh, about 85. 
85. Mm. That's pretty good. No, though in Sydney, like, you go down about three levels to get to one of the stations, like three basements. <coughs> you go down one set of escalators and another set and then another set and you're at the bottom. But the underground stations are quite in, incredible. But how many levels are they down? Uh, Roughly. Perhaps a, I can't really say how many levels, but mm. uh, I suppose, or oh, perhaps how many floors? about 50, perhaps about 30, 50 feet under the ground or something. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, the uh, the underground stations were quite incredible. If you can just imagine a palace, marble arches, uh, six foot chandeliers. What? Yeah, in a railway station? Yes, in an underground railway station, and on the ceiling, fantastic paintings and mosaics. What on earth for? And, you know, it was coloured marble, polished. You could just about, you know, you can see your face in it. It's just on the... You mean you've got all this platform and a railway track going through the middle of it? Uh, <laughs> so you stand on the platform and you look up and you see all this? Yeah. Well, you know, you I saw sort of trains the on the both sides. You get run over by a train because you're looking at the ceiling. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Does the ceiling fall down? That's how they keep the population explosion down. They just keep pretty pictures above train lines. Does yeah. the ceiling ever fall down? I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. So it was quite incredible, actually. You know, but you know, dirty big, you know, chandeliers. What on earth do they want? Bloody chandeliers at a tube right. system for? Oh, it was, you know, it was quite incredible. I suppose it'd be novel. And every station I went past, I had a good look. You know, it was incredible. You know, blue, green, marble, you name it, and chandeliers. You know, it was just like a palace. Actually. What are the trains like? Uh, quite like, good, actually. Uh, they're electric. Yeah, Do they, they have electric. chandeliers in the carriages for lighting? Well, we have those in Melbourne. Yeah, but I, I don't <laughs> mean the red ones. horrible silver things that they have hanging down in the red train. With the hand grips that go clank, clank all the way along the track. Mm, that's right. What are the trains like? Are they feeling modern or what? Uh, reasonably modern. Uh, you haven't got any idea how old they were? No, no idea at all. Uh, they weren't quite as old as the red trains we got here. What, more like the, the red ones in Sydney, the red metal ones? Yeah, most likely. Uh, come in. Yeah. Take a seat. Um, anyway, I went to the uh, terminus. You've got about another half an hour to go yet. Yes. So keep going. Um, <coughs> went to the uh, terminus and I sort of got out and I was probably about 10 miles, you know, out from the city. Yeah. Sort of right out in the suburbs, you know, sort of mainly apartment flats and, you know, and all that. Uh, but, you know, really nothing much to see. So mm. I just sort of caught a bus and I sort of went for a couple of miles, got off, caught another you know, another bus and you know, I still kept catching you know, buses and trams. And but getting back to the tube for a second, yep. how fast do they go? Oh, Very fast? Reasonably fast, uh, not, uh, you know, not all that fast. No, nothing. Probably about the same speed as uh, the ones in London. Yeah. What colour trains do they have? What in London? No, no, the ones in... Oh, I've forgotten actually. Do you go to London as well? Yeah, I've been to London uh, three times. Oh. In my life. Good heavens, that must have been... I've, been, I've seen more of the UK and I've, than I've seen of Australia. Hmm. That's probably more interesting anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just sort of kept taking you know, various... I suppose the whole of the UK only being the size of Victoria. <laughs> hmm. Is Gary able to hear us, by the way? Uh, I no, suppose I'm he can't. Yeah. I, right. um, I just took the... Uh, um, what are you yeah, on? I've got headphones, another receiver, which, on? hang on, I'd rather use the headphones, I've got another receiver here, which Gary could uh, listen on. 
Okay. Just so he's not completely out of it. Mm, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's working. It's a good feedback loop, wasn't it? Mm. Through all, all the station. Mm. Through the whole 160 metre network. Yeah, that's right. Everyone's transmitter jumped off the floor. Mm. Anyway, My 5V meter went whack. We'll right, presume okay, Gary, well, Gary can hear us now. I'm back. Right. Right, uh, right there, Gary. Right. Right, I will. Okay, right, because I kept taking you know, public, you know, travelling on these buses and trams. Until about 8 o'clock in the evening. Mm. And uh, I sort of went through the industrial centre and How got around. How did the trams go? Oh, about the same speed as the ones You weren't supposed to ask that. It's got Tony in front of it. That line. No, it hasn't. Has. On but my John, script, it's got oh, John in front of it. Who wrote your script? Oh, I don't know. Who wrote yours? I did. Well, this is the, way, the copy that you've given me. No, oh, well, I must have lost the card and had to rewrite the page. It looks right like again. you've handwritten this one, the copy that. No, oh, well, I've put the wrong name in front of it. <sighs> you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> Go on, Lyle. Um, anyway, during the peak hour uh, period, you know, about five o'clock, when mm. everybody was sort of knocking off and it was a pretty hot day, uh, the way they crowd into these buses, and it was. There's General D. Silver's out of Marine. I wish they could have changed the regulation just for tonight and we didn't have to identify ourselves. Yes, it would be handy, wouldn't it? Would have been good. Well, if I turned the beeper off, they mightn't notice. No, I do that. Keep going. Right, and uh, because, you know, all these people, workers who have come on and, uh, you know, it was that uh, crowd, it just couldn't move, you could just barely breathe, so as to, you know, you know get off and uh, catch another. Oh, yeah, uh, seems like seems like us in peak period. Mm. Yeah, catch another tram, something, or just sort of wait until a bus comes comes along, you know, and uh, with you know, perhaps with not too many people on, because uh, I don't know where I was going, so I couldn't read the uh, you know the signs or anything. Mm. And it was about eight o'clock, nine o'clock. I decided, you know, I better get back. And of course, I was hopelessly lost. Is there any sort of curfew? Can you wander around any time you like? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can, you're allowed to get lost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was hopelessly lost, and uh, I just like I didn't, you know, I didn't have a clue where the city was and in, in what direction. I couldn't ask anyone, so I just kept catching buses and trams until I found one that took me back into the city. And eventually, I did get onto get onto one, which took me back uh, within a couple of miles of the city because I could see a tall building which I can which was fairly close you know to the city to my hotel so I just sort of walked through the back streets of Moscow mm. uh, towards this high building and I uh, had to walk and then I eventually got to the Moscow River and sort of walked a couple of miles along the river until I got to, uh, to you know to the hotel and uh, yeah, it was quite a it was quite an interesting uh, city. There's sort of so much to uh, see there, and of course, uh, you now they only have various tours on various days of the week, so I couldn't take all the tours. Um, but uh, you know, if you get there, you know, the right time, you can take you know really good uh, uh, tours. Uh, from Moscow, I flew to Leningrad. By that time, I went on the plane with a thick jumper. Uh, and this is what I did because that got just as cold. 
Fortunately, it was only an hour's trip, being about 400 miles. Anyway, I got to Leningrad, and Leningrad is a really beautiful city. It was the old uh, St. Petersburg. Lionel? Yes? Yeah, if you don't mind me asking, what, what, what would a trip like that end up costing in total? Uh, including everything, airfares and uh, uh, trips to other, you know, the other countries, uh, $2,300. That's very reasonable, really, in comparison with most sort of yeah. people who travel to Europe and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, yes. It was, uh, it was quite reasonable, actually. I was uh, quite pleased for the price. And of course, you know, the travel agency, uh, he had to do a lot of work himself, you know, the, the agency. And uh, it was quite good. Anyway, in uh, Leningrad, it's a quite incredible city. There, um, I went for a tour out to Petrovets, which is about 30, about 30 miles out of Leningrad, which was the Tsar's. They had uh, golden, a whole lot of golden statues and fountains, and these really uh, beautiful, you know, buildings. Unfortunately, uh, the Nazis uh, destroyed, actually, sort of blew up this building and took all the original statues you know, back to Germany and were sort of melted down. But uh, when I got there, they just about a year before they just sort of restored everything and. Um, I got replicas of the statues, which are sort of just painted with gold paint, and quite huge fountains, and all these fountains were working on by gravity, as I was told. Um, so this, uh, you know, this summer palace was, you know, was quite incredible. Uh, there I was on the uh, Gulf of uh, Finland. Hmm. And uh, a lot of the uh, uh, the buildings, um, sort of like you know Roman design, actually, you know, with pillars and uh, uh, things like that. Hmm. And I also did go through the Hermitage, which is the Winter Palace, which was a, a museum where you, you know you can see that's the pips. Right, and I went through this. Uh, uh, this uh, museum, and there you, you, know, you saw, uh, you know, all the Tsar's furniture, paintings, and uh, that was really incredible. Normally I get bored going through museums, but I was there for two hours and enjoyed every minute. And uh, I went into this uh, room, which was a, uh, I think it was a, you know, some, you know, some dining room, some kind of a beautiful long table, and the ceiling was gold, you know, just sort of gold. Not again. Yes, and uh, the paintings were absolutely fantastic, and uh, you know, things you can you, know, you see in this museum was just really fantastic. The old uh, czar's, you know, belongings and things like that, mm. and some of the cathedrals were really, uh, really beautiful. And I also did see. Uh, uh, the building where Lenin planned the revolution in uh, 1917. Mm -hmm. And during the revolution there wasn't much bloodshed. Although all the Tsars were, um, although they were all killed off, but uh, during the actual revolution 
you know, with the workers and all that. Uh, according to the guide, there was only about six people killed, apart from the Tsars. Mm-hmm. And the St. Isaac's Cathedral, uh, which is uh, one of the biggest uh, cathedrals, in fact, there's only two cathedrals bigger, and that's St. Paul's in uh, London and uh, St. Peter's Basilica in uh, in Rome. Mm-hmm. And on top, there's this dome, which was, again, covered with gold, something like about 100 kilograms of gold, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, gold. Gold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it's... Uh, we had a sort of linen planned uh, and uh, <coughs> executed this revolution. Was this professor still with you at this stage? No, no, the professor uh, he died was sort of going the other way. Oh, yeah. Uh, I sort of you know, left him at Brask. Um, also, I did see this museum sh- uh, ship, which was a ship that sort of f- uh, fired the, uh, the first shot. Uh, uh, doing the uh, revolution, and um, you also see. Uh, Any second we're going to have reverb, I'll bet. And. Uh, what are you doing here? You also saw. Okay. Uh, we're not going to have reverb, actually. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Peter and Paul. Uh, and Mary. Which was. Um, oh. Yeah. A residence, a uh, royal residence. Then it was Aren't we on or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all right. No, I just wanted to. Which was sort of turning to No, a I wasn't going to put reverb on. I was just getting rid of the other tape of the ceiling coming in. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and looking for a closing theme as well. This Peter and Paul Fortresses was sort of turning to a political uh, prison, and now it's a museum for tourists to, uh, uh, to visit. Yeah. And the River Never, N-E-V-A, is... Uh, one of the widest rivers I've seen, although it doesn't go very uh, far. And uh, generally, uh, Leningrad was one of the most interesting cities that uh, I've been to. You, didn't, you, n- you never met any radio hams? Or um, well, it's really there? impossible to visit a radio ham because you do see a lot of uh, quad antennas, homebrew quad, yeah. and dipoles and things. And, uh, some of them were quite grotty looking, but uh, some of the Russians I've worked on uh, 20 metres, uh, they seem to work quite well. I thought they had to work from clubs only. No, no like there are, um, you know, private hams, just like you and I. Um, a club call sign would be, like if you hear, say, UK 3AML, that's a club call. UK? 3AML, that's an, you know, three letter A call, it's a club call. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there must be a 3IML over in Russia. Yes. The, yeah, I suppose it's better if you have a club, you have more people to run the mission. The what, what, club. Does that mean a two-letter calls are private? Uh, two-letter, or even three, some of the three-letter calls, perhaps, you know, some of the call signs here, here like UK2GAG, would most likely be private call, but I'm not all that sure, but I know the three-letter calls are club stations. Hmm. And what what about things like CB and that sort of there's thing? No C, well, there's no CB in... Uh, the USSR, but there, Do they have of, but there is a lot of uh, pirates on the broadcast band. A lot of pirates on the broadcast band. Oh, oh yeah. And you hear these uh, missions... They're not amateurs, are they? <laughs> you hear these missions sort of coming up with really... Strike here. Uh, really what? 
you hear a lot of these missions. With so really what? With really grotty audio. Grotty? Yeah. And oh, it's not like here. Yeah, one station oh. I heard was FMing that bad was, if it was in English, it would have been unreadable. Yeah. <laughs> but, but being in Russian, it was unreadable anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if I was going to make a pirate station for the broadcast band, I'd make a high quality missile. I think all they can get going is sort of ultra-grot rigs. Yeah. Do, do they have... They can't get the part, do they you have know. They probably have to build their own bodies. Uh, I think they have terminals, but I didn't have a terminal receiver you know, at the time. Didn't have a Ken with you or anything? <laughs> they have completely different frequency allocations on the VHF bands. Like. They might not even have a VHF band. Yeah, there are two metres there. I'll, I'll know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why, why, were the grotty, why were the signals the pirates so grotty? Well, I suppose if you had pirates over here playing music, they'd be grotty too. Oh, that's right. It's probably not 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 such a good disposals market at old eight one threes. Yeah. An old broadcast modulation transformer. Yeah, but all all the good quality music comes from amateurs over here. Uh, this is how crossband will go yeah. for another half an hour. I still have, still got a long way to go. Oh, you'll have to. I'll have to, you have to give me time to turn the crossband over. Right. Right. <laughs> no worries. All right. Um, Right, anyway. what, what else about the broad? What's the what's the broadcast band quality like? Did you get a chance to oh, listen? Oh, the normal uh, broadcast station. Do they have three MP sort of quality or oh, or three LA quality when it's coming from Sydney? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the quality of the normal broadcast stations, just like any other broadcast station, quite good. They have the same sort of, you know, do they restrict <laughs> to five K or? Yeah, 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 just, you know, just like any other, <coughs> sta any other broadcast station. And how clogged up are they with stations? Like when the stew was over many. in um, the States, you reckon there were about 28 yeah. stations on... There's not that many in comparison. In fact, in Moscow, I think there's only about... Uh, oh, of course, there's no commercials. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting. Mm. There's only about five radio stations in Moscow. Do they have VHF-FM? Uh, yes, it's the FM band is 65 to 73 megs. Oh, yeah. Gee, if you got one of those series, you could almost tweak it down. <laughs> what are their jingles are like? Trans-equatorial propagation from Australia oh, at a frequency. Well, the actual yes. jingles, the song you can hear on... Far from 53. Yeah, they do have a sort of a strange uh, jingle. I sort of like three Kremlin. You see this... On TV, you see this Kremlin building shaking with all the Kremlins in it with the theme music. Yeah, I suppose they... Oh, well, 770 Radio has jingles, doesn't it? Although that's only because mm. the commercial stations do over here. What happens... Um, did you ever get any idea um, what the law does towards these pirate missions on the broadcast? Well, I don't know anything about it. Hmm. Don't know... Uh, you just heard I just, it. I just sort of heard it, and this American professor was telling... Oh, this Canadian professor was telling me about our pirates. Oh, you, you could... You could tell. Because he, he could understand what they were saying. Hmm. Probably just amateurs. Hmm. Yes. Is Radio Caroline still going um, anywhere? No, those pirates, those uh, British pirates ships been off the air since about 67. Yeah. Beauty Man, Rick, oh, I won't say, he can say. What, uh, about how they went to the Mediterranean? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I know someone who worked there over in the... Um, There's a panel up. Carolyn station on the uh, estuary of the Thames or something. Um, and he said that they didn't care really about shutting down because they could they could yeah, stay on broadcasting. But they also applied and got a commercial licence over there. They introduced limited commercial radio and I think they got commercial licence. I wonder if that had ever happened in Russia. But what about the, the pirates themselves? The oh, the pirate ships, 
Did they go somewhere else, did they? Yeah, the ones out on the, in the water. Well, all those pirate ships have been put off the air since 67. In England, sure? Yeah. Yes. Mm. What do you mean they've there. been shut down, the, all the equipment get taken off or they sink yeah, the well, ship or...? Well, an international boarding party They get on the ship and pull out the plug. Well, there are commercial radios in the UK uh, at the moment. I remember hearing all the publicity about all this, these pirate radio ships. No, he says it would be really exciting to go and what, visit one. What's commercial radio like <laughs> in the UK? Uh, Is it like ours here? or? Uh, not quite. Well, it's a bit different, you know. Um, they have commercials, you know, four commercials between each record and, and fast, mm. fast breezy presentation or what? Oh, uh, yeah, it's nearly the same as it is here, you know, it's perhaps a bit different, perhaps, you know, because it's another country. Yeah. Uh, really a bit hard to, uh, hard to tell. tell. America or here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Here anyway, from the Leningrad, I flew to... Uh, Kiev, which is the capital of the Ukraine. you got about 30 seconds. Talk, and, you have uh, to talk fast. Well, you got to change tapes over. Yeah, in about half a minute. Right, well, anyway, I think you better change the tapes over now. Alright. And uh, I'll just sort of go outside just for a second. Oh, like that, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. So, uh, give us a call when you're ready, uh, Branch. Right.